Episode number 16. Should the government require background checks and standards for training for armed security guards? This is the Crime School Radio Show. Where industry experts discuss the business of fighting crime and prevention strategies for making places safe. Leading today's discussion is security expert, Chris McGoey. Welcome to Crime School. We're going to talk about the security guard industry and that small segment of armed security guards. Do you think that government should require background checks of security officers that carry a gun to work? Do you think the government should set minimum standards of training for these officers to make sure that they're suitable and mentally fit before going on the job? There's been lots of stories in the media about security officers that fire their weapon and seriously injured or kill someone. Now, these events are actually few and far between, but they definitely make the news. And with a 24-hour news cycle, it seems like they're happening more frequently than they actually are. But many points are raised. When a security guard carries a weapon, uh, the news media and the public are quick to point out that these are not police officers. They don't have anywhere near the same standards of training in hiring or supervision. They're not vetted as closely as law enforcement officers are. So in many cases, when there's a tragic event and the investigative reporters dig into the background of the officer, they find that, wow, they shouldn't have even been an officer. They either have prior convictions, they're mentally unstable, they certainly shouldn't be carrying a gun, or in some cases, in some states, there's simply no regulation. Anyone could put on the uniform and slap a gun on their hip and go to work. Are those scary concepts to you? They are for me. I like to see some regulation, but how do, how do we go about that? Now, this is a very complex story with lots of moving parts, so I'm not going to get into it all in one show here. There's been stories in the past that have been very critical of the security guard industry. They've labeled it as a haphazard system of lax laws, minimal oversight, and almost no accountability. They claim that the industry puts guns in the hands of guards who endanger the public. Now, there's a thread of truth to that, but it's also very strong and grossly overstated. But I think it's important to get to the bottom of it and look at this situation objectively so we could put forth plans to improve the system. Today, I was interviewed by an investigative reporter named Lisa McCormick. She's based out of Kansas City. And she raises these identical questions. Shouldn't security guards, especially armed security guards, be licensed? Shouldn't they be subject to a background check and minimal training standards? Especially armed guards. And without such laws, isn't the public at risk? So we're going to talk about that. So let me get Lisa on the line. And we'll get into a very small segment of this very important but very large subject. We'll be right back after a short break. This is the Crime School Radio Show. After a short break, we will introduce today's special guest. 
Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm terrific. You're with WDAF-TV in Kansas City, and you're an investigative reporter. Right. WDAF, we're the Fox affiliate in Kansas City. Is that Fox 4? Fox 4, yes. Okay, and you're doing a story, or you're prepping for a story about... Should background checks be required of armed security officers, particularly in the states of Missouri and Kansas? Correct. Neither Missouri nor Kansas requires licensing or background checks of of armed or unarmed security guards. However, some municipalities do. Kansas City, for example, the city of Kansas City does. The city of Kansas City, Kansas does. Overland Park, Kansas, which is a large suburban city, has told me they do not. From your point of view, your expertise, what are your thoughts on the fact that Missouri does not have have a state statute um, requiring background checks? Well, I have many thoughts, and they're varied. The vast majority of security officers in Kansas or in Missouri or any other state for that matter They represent about 95%, 90 to 95%. Armed officers are a much smaller percentage of the total. And those armed officers are usually at specialized locations. So what you're really concerned about, I believe, are those armed officers that are out there in the public sector, not working on private proprietary properties with access control and everything. We're talking about these officers that might be assigned at a shopping center or a convenience store or or a school or some such facility. And really, the regulations, I think, is aimed at those folks. And here's kind of the background. Why, Why is that something that we're interested in? Well, when you put an officer in uniform, it's a police type, paramilitary type uniform. That person represents the authority of that property, the property owner, the property manager whatever the institution is. And I think the public has a right to believe that that person is someone that could be trusted, someone that has been vetted, and someone who's going to protect them or certainly not harm them. And we even teach our children, don't we, that if you're ever in trouble, that you want to go to a police officer or certainly someone who looks like a police officer, much like a uniformed security officer. So they kind of have a position of trust or the perception of trust. Once you hang a gun on their hip, now all of a sudden they have deadly force where they didn't have it before. So with that comes some additional responsibilities. So I think what you're asking me, if I filter it down to its extreme, should those companies or those businesses that are inviting the public on the property and they choose to hire armed security officers, Should there be some regulation that just those officers, those armed officers, are somehow vetted better, that there's some minimum standards in place, both in hiring and background screening and training, just to assure the public and maybe protect the public? Otherwise, it sort of falls back to the employer, doesn't it, or the individual officer. You have to rely on them to use common sense, right, good judgment do the right thing, not have a conflict of interest where they'll take fees and payment over maybe expending funds for training or licensing or registration or so forth. So where should the burden be? So to me, after I filtered it all down, that's really your question. Where should the regulation, if any, lie? 
Now, I got to be straight with you. I'm not a fan of regulation. I'm not a fan of government regulation. I think we have way too much regulation already. I think we have more than enough laws on the books. There's many laws on the books already that would address this issue. I definitely think that there needs to be some oversight. It would be nice on a national level if there was some minimum standard, some guideline that would apply to all states that would set minimums for hiring. What type of background checks might you do to possibly prevent an armed officer from being placed in uniform with a gun in a public setting? Now, I, I said that phrase very carefully a uniformed officer with a gun in a public setting. All those criteria is what potentially creates the, the dangerous condition. If you have an unsuitable person who has issues with anxiety or violence or aggression, uh, may not be suitable to be a security officer. Once you hang a gun on his hip, a deadly force, it gives them the ability to cause extreme harm or death where without the gun he could not or would be far less likely. I think that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And that we give the, the public believes that these regulations will, are likely to, you know, to keep them safe or, or maybe enhance the level of trust as they view these officers. Now, the problem with a federal regulation, as you know, is that the feds overlook every state, all states. And it's very difficult to have a federal regulation or to allow our federal government to require these type of uh, regulations on the states. I just don't think that's going to happen. So more than half of the states already have regulations and have requirements. I'm in California, and we have an organization uh, under the state, under the Department of Consumer Affairs, Bureau of Security and Investigative Services, and they have such regulations that security agencies must be licensed. So the people that would employ ultimately an armed officer is a security agency. So the state wants that agency licensed and they want that agency, the owner of that agency vetted. And they want that owner to be able to have proof of minimum hours of experience, go through training and then pass a test. So that's a very minimal threshold of at least getting a competent agency and then in California, just as an example, that security guard agency called a private patrol operator then has the responsibility of hiring officers. Now, that agency was supposed to be taught the importance of hiring officers, the importance of background screening, the importance of criminal background checks, the importance of training based on the assignment, and all the responsibilities that involve deploying armed officers. So the state relies heavily on the private patrol operators, the security guard agency, to make the proper and correct employment, hiring, training, and supervision decisions. So the state is delegating it, if you will, down to these private agencies. Whether that's the best system or not, it seems to me that that's probably the most efficient, and that's the one that's been working for a number of years. I could tell you from many years of experience, state organizations do not do a very good job of regulating or oversight or enforcement. Uh, they're very slow in enforcing uh, violations. They're very slow in responding to situations. The layers of bureaucracy just get more and more and more, and it just drives up costs and fees. So 
I think the solution is correct that you put the onus on the agency that supplies the officers. Now that's only part of the equation. The other part of the equation is, is the, the database for doing background checks. Now that's a whole other story, a whole other show you could do. There really is no perfect federal database or perfect state database that is available to the public or to an agency, a security guard agency, to determine if someone has prior crimes, prior felony convictions necessarily, uh, has been terminated from some law enforcement agency for aggressive or violent behavior, that someone has restraining orders against them, or just a whole list of things that might make them unsuitable. There's really no one place, no clearinghouse that's reliable that they could refer to and make sound decisions. So a lot of this comes down to just trying to be reasonable, just trying to do basic vetting, basic background check. Now, beyond the database, good practices requires security guard agency, especially those that want to employ and deploy armed officers, that they check references. Now, that's not really a database. That's the old-fashioned way of calling prior employers. And that's certainly a tried and tested way of determining whether a person's demeanor or behavior or whether their application is true and accurate, whether they've been successful in the past in uniform, carrying a weapon on the job. Like everything else in the world, some do a great job. Some guard agencies do a superior job while others do nothing. In fact, they'll say that they do and they don't just to get bodies out there in the field and charge fees. So it seems to me that the state agencies, their function is to try to find these bad guard operators and strip them of their license. That's what we're doing in California, and frankly, that's not working that well. We have a system in place for unlicensed practices and for responding to complaints, but the process is so slow that many bad things can happen and have happened before the state can finally intervene. So it's not perfect. So just to say that Kansas or Missouri should enact these laws, there's a whole host of things that don't happen automatically or like you would expect. Right, but it would be a, perhaps a first step. And, and some of the, well, as you've mentioned, some of the private companies say they do background checks. That's what they say. Um, and I'll be honest, we've looked for cases locally of incidences and haven't really had much much luck. I, I mentioned that there's two lawsuits pending and two two different plaintiffs are suing security guards who are armed, um, but they they are suing them because they were sprayed with pepper spray. That's that's the the crux of the lawsuit. We're looking, and it's not that I want to find you know. I mean, that's just an example that illustrates why it should be done. Lisa, let me, com uh, yeah. let me comment on what you just said. I've been in this industry for over four decades, and I work with many of the large public entities out there and the large corporate retail chains and so forth. And the incidents where you have an armed security officer shooting someone and either severely injuring them or killing them. I'm familiar with almost every one. I'm involved often in these things. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, they're, very, they're, they're remote. They're rare. And yes, they make good headlines and they make good topic of discussion to point out, you know, hey, here's what could happen if we don't right. go out and regulate. So you're talking about uh, a regulation that has a 
a financial impact on just tens of thousands of, of businesses and individual officers and just drives the cost up of all the services for the hope and the, of the potential that you might stop one incident out of, I don't even know the numbers, I'm just pulling this off the top of my head, out of tens of thousands of situations. Right. So it's extremely remote. So that's why regulation is tough. It's hard to make a case that this type of regulation is needed where the, the action is, is so bizarre, so remote, and so unusual. And there's lots and lots of stories. I know thousands of war stories about people with mental health issues that have, you know, wearing a uniform and a gun. I got to tell you, uniformed security guards is an entry-level position. When someone moves into the state for the first time and they're just looking for a quick job to, to get some cash flow, look at any newspaper, any uh, type of employment uh, websites these days. The offering of, of available jobs is always security guards. You can enter it very quickly with very low cost, with no experience, low fees, and you go to work. There are places where you could apply today and start tonight. So there's always going to be, you know, that issue. We have the sometimes the least experienced people. The industry hires people where English is not their first language. Uh, they may not even be from this country, but they could be wearing a guard uh, uniform tonight. And you raised the point, though, and I think it's good when you add add the the gun to their holster, their belt, so to speak. There's that added risk. But yes, I have seen um, and gone through. You're right. In Kansas City, just about anyone who's 18 has college or has a high school diploma could go out and work as a security guard. Yes. And as long as we have a, uh, it's in our constitution with the right to bear arm, arms and carry right. guns, and in many states openly, you're not going to get anywhere with these points of regulation that focuses its energy on carrying handguns. It's just going to always be a very stiff battle. So it seems to me that the easier road is to put the burden on the licensee, because it's very easy to have a licensing requirement, to require a security guard agency to be licensed. And that all can be done at the local level, like you pointed out, like my friends at Kansas City and, and uh, yes, some of it. I know these guys. I work with the Kansas City yeah. Police Department. I provide training with some of the officers. And they, they realize that, you know, the, the, the state is not doing the job, but we want to do it. So locally, we could certainly en enact local legislation and require licensing, permits for guns, registration. They could do lots of things locally. The problem is when they people move, the people with these uniforms wow. or weapons move, and they can go to another state and just pick up employment very quickly, and they don't have that same oversight. To take your point to the next logical step, you said, well, Overland Park, which is just south of Kansas City, for those right. who don't know, they don't have all these regulations, but how many shootings have there been that involved an armed security officer in Overland Park? Haven't been able to unearth any. So it, so it may be zero. So, right. is, it, so you're not saying that there's a causal connection. There's no connection between not having regulation right. and all of a sudden right. people go out shooting people or people from around the country are going to move to Overland Park because there's no regulations and then things are going to go crazy. That's just not the way it works. It always comes down to an individual situation. And these shootings, right. we, uh, we, when I say we and the media, always descend on these very tragic in incidents they descend on them with a microscope, and they right. dissect it. And in hindsight, which is always perfect, right? 
Right. We say that, my goodness, if we only had regulations on guards, if we only had background screening, right. if we only had more training, if we only had gun registration, if we only had a database where we could pick up child molesters or, or felons or people with restraining orders, if we only had all this regulation, and all this regulation would affect everyone in many industries. I mean, I always refer back to the airport. I'm old enough to remember the good old days when you can go and get on an airplane without interference. That's what we're talking about here. That's what regulation is. Now, there, are, there is some, uh, obviously some validity to, to, to taking some of these extreme steps. Uh, but if it's, if, it's not, if it's not a serious incident, the numbers are not that high, you're not going to solve all the other social problems by regulating one very small industry and a very small segment of the industry. The society is still going to have mental health issues. They're still going to have people with anger and aggression. They're still going to have uh, really complex interactions out there in the public between you know, two different people. Regulation is not, is not the answer on a, on a statewide level. I think it needs to be more at the agency level. And then let's think about the, uh, the people that are hiring them, the properties. I think uh, there needs to be some responsibility by the properties that hire these agencies. If a shopping center hires a guard service, they specify, I want an armed guard or not. A school district might decide, I want an armed guard or not. A nightclub might decide, do I want an armed guard or not? Some of the onus needs to be on, I guess, that business. If they want to have an armed officer on their property, because it is private property, but it's open to the public. So maybe there's some angle there that this private property, if they want to put armed officers on there, then maybe they need to do a number of things. Maybe they need to have a proper insurance policy, or maybe they need to make sure that agency when they sign the contract, pr- provides proof of licensing or registration or background checks. And I mean, so that might be doable. And it wouldn't require this state bureaucracy to oversee it. Right. Right. And if you're familiar with canvases, you know, they don't need one more thing to pay for. They don't have enough funding for a lot of basic services. You know, it's, it's a financial struggle Kansas is facing. So you make the burden too high. I mean, I I live near Los Angeles, and and you can imagine Miami or Detroit or Milwaukee, some of these high-crime cities. If you make these regulations too onerous, the businesses are simply going to stop employing armed officers. And we need armed officers. There aren't enough police officers. There are far more security officers out there than police. So if the regulations are too severe and too costly, they'll simply stop employing them and it's going to put more burden back on the police, and it's going to, frankly, reduce the level of protection and safety that's out there today. Take care, Lisa. All right, take care. Bye-bye. I hope you found that discussion interesting. It raised many points that need to be resolved, doesn't it? I think you could lock the leading experts into a room for a week, and they will not find a single national solution to this complex problem. To aid in your understanding of this issue, I've embedded a video on the website at crimeschool.com 16. It's a CNN broadcast with host Anderson Cooper, where they do an investigative report into the armed guard industry. And they raise the issue, is there a lack of training and oversight? And are there deadly consequences for not having regulations and requirements for background checks? So circle back to the website, look at the show notes, 
look at the video. I'll also include some resources to give you a further understanding about this subject. And in future episodes, we might dive into this issue again and get more specific about very narrow topics like just background screaming, or maybe just training, or maybe armed officers, exactly what kind of certification do they need, or what type of qualifications do armed officers need, and what kind of training or renewed training for them to be competent in handle, handle, not only handling a weapon on duty, but in a crisis situation. So look for those shows in the future. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I try to present a variety of educational topics, but keeping with the theme of making places safe for people and property. The subject matter of Crime School is influenced by your feedback, so I encourage you to tell me about your ideas for future discussion. I'm always looking for a guest. If you have a particular crime or loss prevention expertise, you have a special legal background about liability, you have an interesting crime prevention product to review, or if you're a crime victim with a motivating story and outcome to share, I want to talk to you. Now, I'm not very active on social media. I'm old. What could I say? I don't quite get it, but I'm trying to learn. Meanwhile, I appreciate those who are active in social media to share these episodes to attract others who may want to learn and benefit from this content. In fact, if you have an iTunes account and you want to help others find Crime School, please leave us a five-star rating and review. That will really help us be discovered. I invite you to join the Crime School community. We're all like-minded people. You could provide your email address on any web page, any opt-in form on the Crime School website. In this way, you'll receive immediate notification of any new audio or video episodes published, or any special events for that matter. Thank you for participating in Crime School and for doing your part in making places safe. This is the Crime School Radio Show with your host, Chris McGoey. We invite you to comment on today's topic and join the Crime School community. For more information and show notes from this episode, please visit crimeschool.com.